Hello, folks. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? I've only got, I've only got one ear, man. I've got one ear. Put, put another ear in, man. <laughs> put another ear in. <laughs> what was my head, man? Where's my head gone? Hold on. Do I need to drop this a bit? Oh lord. Exactly, man. I'm gonna sit back. I'm gonna put this back a bit. If I knock down my background. Hello. Wait. Where's our guest gone? Hello? Where's our guest? Can you hear me? Oh, you ain't got your headphones in. I can hear you, <laughs> but he's not very loud. I'm not loud? What do you mean I ain't loud? Oh, wait, wait one sec. Let me start off this music. Hello, can you, can you hear me now? Maybe that's your headphones. Turn your yeah, radio up. Turn your radio up. Well, my phone, he wasn't loud through my phone, man. That's all he was. Okay, right there. Here's yeah. our guest. Tanya Kelly. Tanya, did you read a bi- biography? So, you know, I assume you did. That's, that, that, that was some serious detail, man, you sent over. <laughs> some serious detail. Hey, Tanya, how's it going? How are you? Hi, Nigel. This is my home Hey, girl. Tanya, you're right. Nice meeting you both. I can see you now. <laughs> <laughs> feeling good, feeling good. Tanya, Tanya is my homegirl from, wait, let me get this right. Ohio. Wait there. Wait there. Wait. Ohio. <laughs> is that is that right? O- Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> you know. Ohio. It's like, is it like hi Ohio or Ohio or Ohio? It was Ohio. So like O H I O. Ohio. Is that I didn't even like I said to uh, Tanya. She I was on our family affair podcast in the week. And I was like, uh-huh. I just, I, I've never thought I would have a problem saying an American name. But then she said Hawaii. And I was like, oh my God, Ohio. Ohio. You can't say Ohio. Ohio. I, I don't feel like it sounds oh. like that. I feel like it sounds like Ohio. Oh, hi, ho. Yeah, yeah man, you're no. easily cleaning. No, O H I O. Ohio. Oh, hi, ho. I keep, I, you know, you, you, you was like, oh, man. <laughs> man. It's Ohio. <laughs> Oh, I oh, 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 where oh we're in Germany. Are you like good tag, good tag? Hey Drew Green, what's going up, man? Thanks for joining us. Um, anyway, welcome to the Black Up Lips Podcast. This is the 44th episode. It's great to have you with us, Tanya. Yes, I am excited to be here. Thank you for having me again. Last week yes. was amazing, great <laughs> conversation, great topic. So let's do it again. Yeah. Um Actually, we're going to do this uh, podcast based around you because you're like a well, you're like a guest. I hope you're going to be more obviously a regular guest. Okay. We're going to try and find out who you are, obviously, because uh, that's it's always important for our listeners to know who we're talking to. So, Tanya, um, I understand you come out of Ohio, of course, and you're a big sports fan. The the Whoa. new box, not what they call the new box, the water box, something Starbucks. 
Buffalo Bucks, Buckweed. No, what is we call for soccer um, here in Columbus, in Columbus, Ohio, is the Columbus Crew. Our yeah. college football team is the Ohio State Buckeyes. So you probably that's know all about the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, um, Buckeyes. We, we have two NFL teams, not in Columbus, but um, one is Cincinnati Bengals, and then we have the Cleveland Browns. Those are okay. our NFL teams. And then we have hockey, Blue Jackets, and we have the Cleveland Indians. That is our MLB, what we call baseball. And then our, we have a actual, what is it called, Columbus. Hey, so I'm at school. So then we have a team <laughs> which is called um, the Columbus Clippers. So that's like the D League. So we have a few sports, but my best is college football. It is back. It's coming back. October 24th is our first Buckeye game. So. Um, what I am, I actually cover sports. So I cover the NFL, NBA, I cover Ohio State, Buckeyes for the men and women's. Okay. And then I started my community organization. My daughter was bullied, um, cyberbullied mm-hmm. to where she wanted to commit suicide. So I started an oh organization called Empower Our Youth. And we are a voice for our youth against bullying. And mm-hmm. what we do is that we spread awareness through anti-bullying education th- to our students and our youth and our and our community. And just yeah. let them know that they don't have to suffer in silence, which we see so many times, not just in the United States, but across the world. So it just allows us to have to put a face into it because that mm-hmm. word is so taboo, especially in the African-American culture, you know, bullying is still taboo. So these are my granddaughter so you can see them both hi <laughs> what's up i love your hair man that's what i'm talking about oh yeah so my granddaughters are here wait you gotta go for me they're like, they're like my kids, kids. Okay. <laughs> okay we'll get someone more in a minute so this way so yes so and then i have teacher in the community with virtual distant learning coming into play with COVID-19, I started teaching in the community. And yeah. what that does is actually we bridge teacher, which I'm an educator, to families and provide them assistance of how to navigate distant learning. So helping them, you know, get a to-do list or I call a schedule for their students, for their children. Um, a lot of the same I would say virtual applications that I am using, they're using across the globe, Seesaw, Class Dojo, Google Classroom. So just also have a partnership, teaching our families how to have a relationship with the school so that when things do arise, you know, and incidents and, you know, discrepancy or just pretty much having some just, you know, conversations that are sometimes hard to have, building that relationship with your school and your teacher and understanding that a teacher goes home also as a parent, but also making sure that when there is um, things that are happening, just again, with distant learning itself, they know how to navigate and how to speak and how to advocate. We talk about self-advocating for our students and self-advocating for our families. So that is all about Tanya Kelly. I'm a wife, three children, four grandbabies, and again, sports, I live and breathe it, and it is back. So listen, it's Taco Tuesday. It's time to watch the sports. I want to know. I want to know. Watch the sports highlights. Before we get on to the, the, the more important stuff, I want to know what the house the difference between college football and NFL football. And what? I don't we don't know because we don't like football. for me. I love college football because it's the heart. 
when I cover sports, I am all about the passion. I want to know the huddle. So for me, the huddle is where it's at. I need to know what they were saying because that's where you really understand if the, you know, from men to boys, when you're talking about the huddle, like what it takes when they're down 50 points or 10 points, if they're like on the on the 10 yard line and they got a day fourth and two, you that huddle is where is that? That's where that conversation. So when they mic them up, I, I'm that one, I'm like right there. So when I get those <laughs> time to talk after it's over, when they have the post conferences, it allows me to ask that question. You know, most of us as men, they ask all those stat questions like what happened on um, 10 and five? And I'm like, no, no, I wanna know, did they cuss? Who was talking, <laughs> who was the leader? Who changed the narrative? Who changed, you know, who had that lasting conversation that changed the game. So those okay. are kind of questions as a woman. That's why I call it sports from a woman's perspective, because it allows us to have a voice. You know, why okay. do you wear like right now with Black Lives Matter, NBA and NFL are really taking a stance. And that's yeah. where no one really understood across the globe that, you know, we thought it was going to be one way and it's not. The NBA took a stance against Black Lives Matter and that meant volumes. And just mm -hmm. like the NFL, even though Colin Kaepernick's not back, you know, to me, it, it was a stance. It's the first thing that we needed to do to bridge forward, to understand that systematic racism is here. So mm -hmm. again, to be able to have sports and for us to be able to see these issues, you know, come out and see them unfold live, it's great to see how athletes are really starting to stand up and that mm -hmm. money is not a trigger anymore. You know, a value of more of them now, their heart, they're speaking with their heart. That yeah, this could about be time. Yeah, about time. Yeah. You know, we see so much over the years and athletes were kind of silent. So to see them really, but it's the millennials, the millennials, yeah. the they're 25, crazy, the 35s, the 40, the 35s, they're really taking a stance and, um, and having a say of how they stand up and why they stand up and these owners are, they're having to take a second glance. And so you're seeing now, you know, more of the um, athletes, you're seeing the administration, you even seeing head coaches now taking a look again of who, who who's on their team and what mm. what's real and not yeah. so much, forget the money, the money's off the table, we will sit out. So they're having to really understand that when they're going into these, you know, these owners conversation and these owner tables, you know, it's a different conversation. So yeah. I, you know, I think millennials is, are breaking it open. Yeah, I think with the millennials, this thing, and I want to touch on that a second. I think that's basically because like, okay, not so much me, but I know a lot of my friends had a lot of stuff when they were growing up. So we weren't from poverty, like maybe the older generation was. So for us, it's like we had. So we don't care, you know, we're going to talk to you about the issue. We're not scared that you're going to take our change. You know what I mean? We, we don't care if you're going to take our, yep. you know, our paycheck because we know how to get it again. You know what I mean? So I think that's what it basically is with us. We don't, we don't care, man. We're, we're going to take people down. They it's about, care. like I said, it's going and to be, well. Great. And it's great to see that no care attitude. You know, my mom yeah. was a sharecropper in the sixties. So to see this revolution come back again in 2020 yeah. and I'm 50 and I never thought I would see it in my lifetime, but it's great because now my children are these young millennials that have a voice. Like that's why yeah. I keep saying that rise up 2020 COVID-19 didn't do nothing, but wipe it clean. Everybody has a yeah. voice. The African-American is loud and clear and our millennials are in the way and they're picking up is steam and you got to listen you don't have a choice but to listen because like you said money doesn't matter status doesn't matter anymore with a millennial yeah. because they're entrepreneur in some right most of them are entrepreneurs so they're used to grinding 
you know, in dealing with those different um, disparities that we see every day, they're Mm -hmm. used to that. So it was like, if you don't listen, we're not going to make you no money. So I think, you know, these major, you know, teams and even the world itself, the globe is changing. So, you know, I say rise up. Finally, finally, it's about time. Finally, finally. What I want to ask you is, um, because you said something about, uh, obviously, the empowerment of black people. You touched on, well, basically, that's what you're talking about. So what do you think of people like Candice Owens, who talks us down as black people and says that we're, obviously, it's our fault why everything's the way it is. And, you know, because, I don't know, it's kind of weird. You think we have one of our own people telling us that, yeah, it's because of the way we are is why we're in this mess. I think we touched on this on um, Thursday as well, a little bit. I think so too. I think with us, I know, bye, get over there. I think for us is it was actually been embedded, you know, again, you know, starts even for me, I grew up where history wasn't told to us except for what you learned in the textbooks. And even our moms, you know, those those conversations, I call those fables and those folk tales that went on and they passed down generations. But I think with me becoming a teacher, it allowed me to have a open eye to something that was different, learning. And I think that's the difference between us parents back in the 50s and 60s. Even though they learned, it was, you know, you were only given but so much. Now the revolution has changed. Now the space has changed, especially now in the last 10 years, our children can learn anything. Our kids mm-hmm. can live anywhere. We can live anywhere. And when I say myself, like it's like 70s and 80 children, we're able to live anywhere in this world without yeah. having someone say no. And if it's, and if it's no, I'm going to find out the answer. And my yeah. daughter is at an HBCU college. And at first I kind of was like, you want to, why, you know, why you want? And she said for the experience, like, mom, I've always had my counterpart experience. I want to know what my experience is. Mm. So when I look across the globe, my children are Somali children. They know their heritage. They yeah. know where they come from. They know their ethnicity. Whereas African-American like myself, we're still finding out who we are. Finding out, you know, what makes us tick, who we are as a people versus mm-hmm. other ethnicities, they know who they are. You know, they can talk about those stories and our stories is kind of jumbled up between, you know. Slavery, basically. Yeah, slavery, we conversation, and nothing else. And those same historians, Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, Rosa Parks. And now yeah. as a teacher, I'm able to share and they share with me about other, you know, historians that paved the way for us that we had no clue even about until I became a teacher. So it's great to learn from other cultures because now as an African people, and they always keep saying, well, it's our fault. No, it's not. I don't think it's, it's not our fault. Mm-hmm. I think it was our fault with the way the world was. The world was not set up back then for us yeah. to know. Because I think when you know, you can do better. When mm-hmm. you know, you can grow. So that no was no longer there for us. So now we learn as a people, and we still have things that are going on with like on black crime and all the other, you know, initiatives that are out there. But I think mm-hmm. also it allows us to have another space for us to talk yeah. about that. And it's the funny you say that. So, so just to cut you off a second, it's nice that you say that because when Candice is talk, this is the first time I actually figure out 
where and who Candice Owen is probably trying to appeal to and talk to. It's not us, the older people. Okay, I don't know if I'm considered an older person. If she's referring to the younger people, now these guys should be able to utilize every all the opportunities available to them. They should be able to. There's no argument for them. But like the older, like say your generation, like you're 50, so for you it's still a little bit harder. You grew up while 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 stuff was still going a bit crazy. You know, my mom and older people, they were still like really in the in the middle of racism. But the younger people now, we've got like all the opportunities to say, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna go to university, I'm gonna go and start a business. So yeah, I understand that now the newer generation, they've got no reason to, to cuss and say, Oh, we didn't make it because there's like this whole stuff stopping me. There isn't there isn't actually so now I understand what you're saying. And I kind of understand what she's saying, you know, because I'm always like, when I listen to her, I think to myself, what is she talking about? But if she's just trying to appeal to the youth, say the 30 and younger, then maybe she has a point. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I, I, I can't say I've actually heard too much from Candice Owens, but what you've got to remember in every society, every race, every colour, there's always going to be one person who says that the grass is blue and one person who says that the grass is green. So this, this, this vision of, oh, all of us black people, we're all going to hold hands and we're all going to get on. It's a fallacy because you can go to many countries in Africa where black people have treated black people just as bad as anybody. I yeah. think in terms of the racism, though, most certainly, yes, we, 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 we definitely seem like we're making some kind of inroads now more people are aware. I've had conversations with um, white people about racism, which I wouldn't have had that conversation with them, you know, before COVID-19. That would never have, it would never have been a thing. It would never have been spoken. No one would have said to me, have you ever had racial abuse? Because people just didn't. But I think, yes, you know, if we'd have had this openness that we have now, a hundred years ago, then we'd be living in the Star Trek, Star Trek generation now because we'd have moved past all this, oh, I'm going to shoot you, oh, I'm going to bomb you, oh, I'm going to take your oil. But this, this higher level of thinking, which we now are starting to embrace, and that's people of colour and, and other races, it, it can only take us on a better path because once you're more open and you get things off your chest, you actually feel better. You know what I mean? You actually feel like you can, you've got a voice in the world. So... You know what I mean? For me, it's it's been a, a big, big thing. Um, the biggest thing in my lifetime to do with kind of any kind of significant um, pressure on authorities and the synergy across countries. Because if you think about it, when things have happened in America before, it's just normally just been America and what little news comes out, that's it. Obviously, mm -hmm. the rest of the, the media report what they want to report. So it's never, oh you know these people of color got beat up it's old way they must have caused trouble first or maybe they started a riot and that's why they got a beating but yeah. you, you know with black lives matter because you know I, i'm trying to think of how what countries didn't get involved you know i heard that south korea was involved japan was involved australia new zealand everybody you know I mean? so there was those countries where there's no black people and they were going <laughs> out and saying no seriously man i've seen marches in certain countries there was no black people there but they were going out marching for black lives mm. matter so for me that's a significant. And I remember I had a conversation with a, a lady. I can't remember her name at the moment. She lived in Oxford. And she always said to me, this thing about the rainbow children, how they're going to change the world. She called them yeah, the rainbow sure. children. And, yeah. you know, how old am I now? I'm 46, 16 years ago. So 2004. So, yeah, millennials, 2000. And it's, it's happening, man, because they, like you say, they, they, 
they live by their rules and they realize that the, they, no, but they realize that the rules that we've all lived by have been reset. They can reset yeah. these rules. Look at Bitcoin. I mean, funny, you've got this computer software that can miss out your bank or com- completely. You know, you know, for a long time, the banks were like, oh, no, 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 you're going to get ripped off. Now they're looking to invest in it because they can yeah. see there's money in it. So that's the thing. Us serfs are meant, whether you're white or black, us serfs are meant to stay low. Stay low. Don't rise above your station. And then oh. there's this panic because they're thinking, well, we don't want to miss out on that gravy train either. But most certainly Black Lives Matter, the openness, the fact that people are more prepared to engage. It, it, kind, of show, it kind of showed you who the, the racists are. You know, the ones who, mm-hmm. you know, refuse to kind of acknowledge that, that there's this problem. You know, obviously they don't realise because they're not this colour, but, you know, they, they, they see the news. You know, they, they must realise there's a disparity between how many times I'm seeing, I'm seeing someone's religion or someone's colour. But when I'm seeing someone of the same colour as me, we're not talking about their religion. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What's, what's all that about? So, yeah, man, it's, it's a good positive thing. You know, really, really yeah. positive. Cool. And what I want to talk about is obviously touch on two is the bullying thing because I was kind of bullied because I ended up in an accident when I was young when I was a baby. Well, you know, I burnt my fingers. If you can see on the kitchen picture, see there it is. Oh, wow. Okay. That's like, I just realized that was probably like second to third degree burns, man, because they actually deformed my fingers in the end. It's okay. I'm all right. I got over it. You know, I was only like one and a half years old. Um, it was unfortunate, but it happened. But obviously, you could, can you imagine what that would have been like when I went to school? You know, kids, they have no heart, man. And they call it, even my daughter, even my daughter was like to me the other day, You got a finger like a sock. Look at my finger. <laughs> Look at my, I was like, No, it's back. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, I, I'm back in there. I'm back in 1986 oh in nursery. Oh my God. With me Maybe and kids. You hang, hang your finger off the fireplace at Christmas, man. I call it a stocking. <laughs> You know, it got it got so bad. Hey, your, daughter, mate, your daughter needs to go on stage, mate. She's got banter already, man. <laughs> she's got proper banter. Trust me, she's heavy. She's heavy. We're doing, sh- we're, we're, we're doing a show, actually. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll get over there. Uh, sorry, so you already oh, see. Lord. Can you imagine being in school? Can you yeah. imagine? Uh, no, trust me, kids, and even kids, that was just one kids, of the kids. kids we had little Jamaicans, kids, you know, the Jamaicans. The, the, the thing is, kids kids are cool because kids have no filter. No, um, no filter. The thing is, you don't actually realize. I think, I mean, obviously, growing up in the 70s, there's a lot of racism and blackie and all that malarkey. And to be fair, I, I, it never really used to bother me. Um, but I mean, bullying now, bullying is different now. Bullying, different. Bullies can. Bullies can follow you home. Bullies can bullies can have a go at you while you're in your bed, yeah, going yeah. to bed to sleep. You, you, might look, you look at your phone and they've sent you some pig's head or something and said that you're going to get beat up. You know, back in the day, as soon as you went in your house, you were safe. Or if you yeah. had a big brother or a couple of cousins. Right. Um, and I think, you know, bullies. And I think every single child that does the bullying needs to go through some kind of re-education. Or we need to find out why, because normally someone's a bully because of a reason. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's easy. It's easy to say parents. You don't know whether there's other siblings. Right. You don't know whether they're feeling left out. You don't know whether they're being bullied by their parents. You don't know whether their parents have set no boundaries, so they just do whatever they like. 
but when they go to school, they think they can do whatever they like. So yeah, you can't just say you can't just say parents because that's a catch-all. Keep telling you about catch-alls. You know, there is lots of factors which influence how a person is, and right, and, yeah. and and you know you can't just put someone in a box and say it's because of that reason. I work with a lot of therapists and counselors, and you know they never see someone on one session and solve that problem because the problem is always that deep rooted. They've got to go way back. You've got people who are like acting out what they've lived when they were 10, 11 years old, when they're in their thirties and forties. You know what I mean? So it, it's, and yeah, you, but and bullying. You and you said something so profound like Nigel, when it talks about the catch all as well as um, bullying, it, it follows you home. And that's why, again, when my first daughter was bullied, it was more, it was still like 2005 where when you went home, you didn't ever see it. Just like myself, I was bullied, but it was, it didn't never follow you home. So you, you had to deal with it at school and you knew how to compartmentalize yeah. it. Now you have cyberbullying, you have social media, you have something that's relentless, that never goes away. These children, again, I, that's why we do the education for our families to let them know how to be online savvy because most parents are 50, 60, you know, they're 70, 80s babies. So a lot of them, they send their children to school. They don't know that their child's being bullied because again, it's what happened, it's the catch-all. You don't know what their home environment is. A lot of the bulliers that I have, you know, talked to and we've, you know, and mentored, they were bullied in the beginning. They were the bully. And it could have been, it's not, a, it's not even appearance. It could be just where you didn't have lunch money. Like that's how trivial it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for my daughter's um, story, it was none of those things. She was a cheerleader. It was just the fact that she had took up for another girl that was being bullied. And what the bullies did, they latched they onto my focus, daughter. Focus on your daughter. Focus off of her and it went to my daughter. And I yeah. say cyberbullying, it goes in those six different stages that they always talk about. It is relentless. It is distressed. I mean, it literally never goes away. And then that's where I always talk about the teacher in the schools. Um, there is no law really governing cyberbullying, and that's where the language has to change across the globe. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just in the U.S. It's across the globe. We have to change that cyberbullying is a crime because if you was to hack into someone's business, you're going to jail. The thing, so the thing, the thing, the thing is, thing. the thing is. I mean, you'd never get it cast as a crime because someone would pull out some mantra about free speech. Um, and, and, and you know that, that's the first thing. Hey, it's free speech, I can say what I like, do who I like, and someone would pull that out. I think most certainly what needs to happen is that those, like you say, you know, you're mentoring bullies. Those bullies do need to be spoken to, but on a level of, well, why is this happening? And, and you know, you're right, a lot of things do play out. They play out. We've seen it ourselves as, as children growing up with our parents who played out how they were treated by their parents who, who play that, how they were treated by their parents, who, you know what I mean? So there's this kind of, this thing which is inherent, it's kind of learned, but you're right, a, a, a bully will turn from that, like you say, he's right. somebody, then you become the victim. Um, what, what I always found growing up was, and obviously I'm not advocating violence, but a, a quick thump to the head <laughs> generally used to settle things because when the bully realised that why that man thumps hard, you know, Oh, let's be friends. Should we play yeah. football instead? You know, I, I had a couple of bullies when I was younger, and both yeah. of them I give some I give some shot boxes to, and both of them became very, very good friends of mine. Well, we played football together and knocked on my door 
asked me to come out. Wow. This is after they this is after they called me all kinds of names, and I gave them some shot, gave them a couple of shot bucks. And uh, you maybe you know what I think is different today, though. You know what I think is different today. Basically, like um, you got the social media. And then you've got like the peer pressure to go along with it. So bullying back in the day, you probably had like a guy and two of his friends who used to pick on you, know, hard boy, hard guys with leather jackets, and he's like, "Give me your money," you know. But today you got like all these guys all connected in social media. So you're on like Facebook, and you're probably in a group of your school or whatever it is. In my case, Harris, Harris Church of England, and everyone's in there. And then someone puts some stupid stuff about you in there. You got like the whole school laughing at you. You know how detrimental that is for one's confidence. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, no. yes, and that's how it is. It's like someone's confidence is gone based off of, again because you have it starts with one person, and then by the time lunchtime comes, you have over a hundred people, and yeah. it's not just students at your school. It can be outside. So again, yeah. the social media has relentless where there's nothing that's governor. Is everybody's like you said that freedom of speech? But what about that child who cannot speak for themselves? Who actually comes? Oh, yeah, oh, oh absolutely. I, I'm just yeah, saying so that it, it's teaching them, of, and that's what we're teaching them that self advocacy so that yeah. if well, the child does not have that environment to help them, which again, we know we might have it, but the other person doesn't, we're teaching them how to have that self advocacy. That means to speak up, don't be silent, understanding tips and tools of how to deal with it because everybody deals with trauma different but we still have to make sure that they're understanding that no matter what it is, it's still wrong, but this is how you speak up for yourself. Do you think, um, and, and this is one of the problems that I think parents face and society as well, and I'm not just gonna blame it on any particular leader, but when you look at the people in authority, the people who make decisions, their behavior towards yeah. other people, whether they're in authority or same age or whatever. And some of it does amount to bullying. You see it played out on the news all the time when certain people have got a mic in front of them. You know, how can we create a society where that isn't, that isn't even a thing when all around us is what we see anyway? You know, you have countries bullying countries. You have individuals bullying individuals. You have... Um, kids being bullied by their parents it, it's 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 a it's a hard thing man it's, it's a very you know boy now i'm thinking thinking about it, it's like well how would you stop that i mean i would imagine at school i'll be honest i probably would have been classed as a bully at some times and my um mm -hmm. argument to that was that i'm black don't mess with me mm -hmm. that boy called me an n-word the boy called me an n-word three years ago but three years later i'm still like cussing his shoes and stuff you know, and when I think back, I think, oh, God. But where, you know, when when would I have made that cross between realising I shouldn't be doing that? And, you know what I mean? And I used to go to church, man. So it wasn't like I didn't know right and wrong. But I think I was defending myself as a black youth. And my kind of outward thing was, because I grew up in, a, in an estate where there was probably three black families. So the school I went to was predominantly white. I'm not saying I went through much racism, but... When I defended myself and I stood out, I always kind of, I, I repeated what, what it was all about. So people knew, man, they're messing me once and they're having it for the rest of the year. In their ears. Not, I won't lick them in their ear. And when I think about it, yeah, I probably did bully some people. Um, and my justification is, well, people tried to bully me, but was it, did it make it right? No, it didn't. So 
it's what a hard one, man. Starts off bullying. What, what is it? That, what constitutes a bully? Because like I said, bu- today's bully is it's, it's covert. It's like racism, basically. It's kind it's, of like, it's, like it's 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 a way of it's an ego boost for the bully. If you it's an ego, you know, if you've got a group of people around you and you say, Oh, look at that guy's big ears, and everyone's like, Oh, you're the joker, you're the center of attention. Like, yeah, I'm having fun, you know. (laughs) Makes it even worse when you have a most bullies, they need a show. You need an audience, so and and can be something as the thing is in the UK, we have this thing called banter, so like. Say me and Wayne and, and a couple of our friends was in the room, and you, and you do the same in America. You probably call it um, cussing or what's that? What's that thing? Dissing, roasting, dissing, roasting, roasting, dissing. Well, you know, we'll sit in a room, and I'll say, "Oh, Wayne, man, you teach them buck like donkey," and you'll say, "No, I don't make your head shine. You like the sun," and you know, we'll have that banter around us. But that's banter. But then I've seen, I've been in situations where I've been with a group of friends, and the banter's been there. And then the man's flipped. <laughs> the man's flipped out. Said the wrong thing. I don't know. Mentioned his mum. I don't know. But next thing the man's swinging. <laughs> but it's it, banter. You know, where does banter become bullying? Where does just having a laugh? Oh, oh, oh look, at the, look, at, look at your look at your dodgy shoes. When does it then become nasty, I suppose? Um, and where do you, and then where do you intervene? Where do you then say, well, you know, that, 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 that bullying. It. It's his fault. You know, I, yeah. it, it, it's hard, man. It, it, it's hard. And, and I say fair play, fair, fair play for trying to tackle it as well, though, because, you know, it was called cracking when we were growing up. So we just got used to it. And, you know, and yeah, like, yeah. So now it's. What do you call it? Cracking? Yeah, we call it cracking. So cracking is where, like, you make jokes. We call it cracking. Yeah, man. So it was like cracking. Yeah, we, call, we call it cussing, cuss bad word, banter. Yeah, oh, so you call man. It banter? That's what you call I, cracking. I, I, I used to, I, I've I've seen a I've seen one of one of the man's them literally get off a bus because he was getting that much cuss word from from the man's them. You have to get off the bus two stops early because he was all you could hear was. Ah! Ah! Well, I got up. We didn't see him again after that. He jumped off a bridge. He probably jumped off. Nah, the he's bridge. alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. But he just stopped hanging around the bus. And I did actually think to myself. Did you go too far? But there's always a certain person in your group who was the butt, who was the one who got all the ribs and well, I look on your shoes, them are you just did didn't you but then was that bullying or was it banter? Or was it because that was our little crew of colour? It didn't matter. I don't, I, I, you know what I mean? It, it's hard because my line we, comes with. That's where yeah, the fine we, line is. But we we, we we faced a different enemy back in the day, didn't we? Because we all knew that we all knew that we had to stick together. So our joke between ourselves was good. Then there became a point where it was like, oh, you're my enemy now. Don't matter about this racism thing. You're my enemy. We're going to fight each other. It doesn't matter that you're my sister or my brother. You know what I mean? And, and that, where did that start? Because <laughs> the compassion changed. Like, you know, even when we were cracking, there was a compassion and an empathy. Now students don't have none of that. Because, again, society has allowed us as well, especially for kids, to be where they can say and speak with no authority, with no respect, no empathy, no kindness, no um, just no kinder. So now it's where it's just almost like a free for all. So where we had uh, we would always think like, OK, did I go too far? These kids don't. Their their main thing is, did 
I go farther enough? Did I go far yeah. enough? So it changed the... the, the <laughs> They're evil, man. I'm going to go live in a cave. <laughs> yeah, so it changed how everybody speaks and how they speak to you. And even how they speak, it goes back to respect of how they speak to teachers. You know, there were certain ways that we wouldn't. There were some kid, teachers we would joke with, like, oh, okay. And there was other teachers that was by the book. Now, kids speak in any manner. So what we do is, again, is build that relationship, build that self-rapport. How do you speak so that you can understand, like, is this cracking or is this just, you know, talent? Aren't we just talking about manners here? Because yeah, at the end man. of the day, I'm not, I'm not being funny. Praise right. and thank you and patience. These, these are things that, so somewhere along the line then, these, some of these parents of these kids haven't said to them, look, man, you know, one of the things I, I remember saying to my son once, it's probably the wrong thing to say, actually. I said to him, it doesn't matter what exams you get. I think what's going to take you the furthest in life is how you treat other people and what manners and respect yeah. you show them. And to be fair, his exam results weren't great, but he's always been, apart from a few scrapes and that, he's always been a good kid. He's always maintained his manners. He'll always walk into a room and say, hello, you know, greetings, good, you know what I mean? He's always done that. And I've got to hold him in high esteem for that because I've been out and I've seen some of these kids you're talking about. And, I've, and, and I hear them talking to their parents. And I'm like, yeah. hold on a minute. Hold on a second. Did you give birth to her? Or did she give birth to you? Because they're talking to them like, like saying they're not even their friend. And right. um, you, just, you just think, well, if they ain't got them boundaries there, that means they've got them no boundaries anywhere. If they can't, if they've got no boundaries there, then they've got no boundaries anywhere. And, and I think society is, is throwing quite a few of those out. And I don't just blame parents, though. Don't get it twisted. This is what the, the, the kids... No, no, no. Show me your government, man. What do... No, what, why, what, what is the common denominator for all children across the, the United yeah. States and the UK? Give me, give me two common denominators. Media. Right, media. Give me another one. And music. Boom. So they spend they spend eighty percent. Well, okay, let's say seventy percent of their waking time either watching or listening. Yes. Not interacting, not talking, not hearing someone say, "Oh, please, thank you," blah blah blah. So, to a degree, we're we're creating this we're creating this society of of people who, well. I, I, I don't know, man. I want, say what I want, be what I want. I, 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 I don't want. I don't want to be eighty walking down my road around my estate. Uh, I'd rather be somewhere nice and secure because they'll come take me, man, kick away my stick and say, "Well, boy, old man, we had to work around here." <laughs> yeah, society bad boys basically, isn't it? When they're when they're idols or rappers and stuff like this. Well, this is what I'm saying. This is cool. And, and it's society has allowed. And we've allowed as parents, we haven't said, oh, no MTV or you can't listen to that because we know from peer pressure, they will get bullied. Have you heard the latest so-and-so? No, what my mom says, ah, you can't hear that music. Oh, you must be some kind of crazy kid. So mm -hmm. even, you can't even say you can't do, if you said, oh, you're not having a PlayStation ever, they'd be the butt of the school for the rest of their life. So you have to conform for them so that you can almost fingers crossed think, yeah, at least they can't pick on them for that. But what, what you know, society is creating these, the media and the music, there's your common denominator. You can't even say um, console games because these this is deeper than all that. <laughs> but it's the media. What you know, what have they seen? What images did we see after 9-11? What what religion did we see most of after 9-11? I, I said to these guys the other week, I didn't even know what a Muslim was before 9-11. I mean, after 9-11, I knew what a Muslim yeah. was. But, but didn't say they didn't say Egyptian. 
or Libyan or Muslim. So there you go. Catch all. And that's what my kid and that's what my kiddos hear when they um, depict 9-11, it's not in a great format because when 9-11 happened and most of them were either coming over to the United States as refugees or their parents were here and then they came later, that yeah. stigma still. And then Muslim is not just, you know, the, I would say a brown face. It, it became a black face. Yeah. So again- Slowly but surely. So yes. <laughs> we'll do it in a minute. So yeah. It's, it's, um... Society, man. Society, it's, a, it's a power we, imbalance. That's why I keep saying yeah. when the anti, you know, when it comes to bullying, there's a power and it's an imbalance because there's no one to tell them no. Like from media, from society, as well as their environment. The environments change. When we were growing up, there was a village and it didn't matter. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. there was still a village. There's yeah. now um, children are creating villages. Teachers and staff are creating villages in their in their classrooms. They're creating villages for them. So you have to still stand strong of making sure that they know like a bully, everybody is different when it comes to the emotion. So you have to be understanding. I think too, we had to understand, even though we were cracking and we shouted back, we had an understanding of empathy, what that looked like. We knew when it got too far. Their kids now, they don't even know what empathy is. They don't know what kindness looks like because it's never been told to them. Yeah. So Do you think do you think that there then there there should be um, emo emotional intelligence should be something that's introduced to schools from say primary age? I mean, even though you shouldn't have to, because right. people should know good from bad, bad. They should know kind from nasty. But do you think that there's something to say? You know, let's introduce emotional intelligence into the curriculum and almost go back to teaching people how to be really nice and how to be respectful and, and, and to respect others and yes oh my gosh like you're just saying that at my school we teach characteristics <laughs> called character ed and character ed we teach character ed and we teach um social emotional learning and again all oh. that is, is teaching our students how to be social conscious have emotions and i think with our school this is why i love horizon at my school because we when i came here i was like you teach emotion like social emotions how to speak how to that's speak, fantastic respect. characteristics we talk about the eight characteristics of respect um trustworthy honesty you know being a fantastic. like those are things that are not in our school it's almost like you took prayer out of school it's like they took these characteristics yeah, out of yeah. school and now bullying has taken place. And it's not just about all oh, the bullier. These are subtle things, even with teachers bullying. So yeah. it has to be a whole combination of one. For me, I became an advocate because it happened to me and it changed my whole entire world. It yeah. changed my yeah. whole entire world. So I think I, I think that's it. That's the that's the international movement you've got there, really. Oh, because God. I mean, if you could find a platform. A, a, a channel somewhere to get that out on mass because I think you know there's a lot to be said I mean I'd say I mean I'm 46 now and it's taken me it took me to about the age of mid-30s to actually understand um, emotion to understand why I reacted to certain things uh, emotional intelligence but then I'm not saying that a kid's going to get it because they're still young, but most certainly showing them from an early age, you know, these are the way that you're supposed to, you know, that these are the positive ways of behaving, these are negative ways. Not just about good and bad. I know that church, there's a lot of that. 
for a lot of people. But church has been diluted now. Church has been so diluted that people don't really go there for anything other than just to have some company on a Sunday most times still. Mm. Um, you know, we have got to go back to those, those moments where um, people just kind of appreciated each other. You know, we had a kinship. We had a kinship mm. when we was growing up. So we, yeah, yeah, we, kinship, respect, a total respect. But there's yeah, no because, like yeah. you said, we come out, this is a why uh, movement. I've talked to so many students and and organizations across. But since I've started my company, that it's across. Like there's no federal laws in place to protect bullying. So only thing what we do is just try to advocate. That's making sure that they are aware of their voice. I think kids have gotten away from what their voice was. We had a voice automatically because our parents taught us, but our children are coming up now. The voice is kind of like sprinkled in between social media, what you see on TV, what you hear from the streets and not so much. Understanding what your volume, you know, what your voice is, how powerful it is. Look what's happening right now with COVID nineteen, with the riots all over the world, with the with the globe and the world listening to us and seeing what we're doing. That voice is making sure that you are showing your independence, and that and you're saying, I don't like this. You know, going back to just those small, like you said, characteristics of being. Empathy, that's a lot of it is just showing some empathy that a lot of students don't know what that looks like. So we do is that our our students, I, I know my door in the background, <laughs> so, and we just show them, that, listen, this is what, how you can voice. I know, listen, when you're in school, you can hear anything. That's what I told them last week, like, I'm still in school, you can hear anything go on in my school. <laughs> hey, they think, Ooh, they think they sound smooth, man. <laughs> Don't you think that empathy starts at home, though? Don't you think it's um it that the parents? It, it, yeah, but Wayne, it starts at home with parents who have empathy. But I'm yeah, that's saying the thing. To you, you can't, you so, can't catch up. What you got to remember is that society is society creates different people, and different parents are different to different parents. So. You know, one of the things I had to learn a long time ago was that I could not be angry or upset at somebody else's behaviour based on how I thought they should act because they're not me. They weren't brought up by me. They didn't have my mum, my dad go to my church, do this, do that, go to my school. So every decision that I make is based on me and my experience. I've actually seen people fall out with people. I've heard them cuss people because they haven't done something which this person in their head thought they should have done or said something in their head the way this person thought they should have said it. So it, it, it's, it, you can't ever catch all because there's too many, there's too many factors which influence um, a person. You know, there's, 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 part, there's parts of you which will be influenced by your mom, there'll be parts of you which will be influenced by your siblings, be parts of you that be influenced by Julia. I mean, you've been with Julia, what, 14, 15 years? You know, uh, I'm sure that you're a different person to when you first met her because sure. there's certain influences that you carried. And this is the thing, this is why you can't just get a brush and go, yeah, man, it's the parents or it's because they're black or it's because they're this or because they're that because there's too many factors which, yeah. which, 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 which make, make, make that up. Parenting classes, maybe, should be an idea, possibly. <laughs> but, the thing is, 
saying that, but when you look at someone like Japan, for example, they have the utmost respect for anybody. Like I said, when I was in Japan and they like basically were bowing to me until I left and I was like, why are you bowing to me for, man? You didn't get the message. Within the culture, though. Yep. So that's what, mean. So that's what we need to do too. We need to follow. Well, take some you're pointers talking from of Japan. thousands and thousands and thousands of years of culture. You know, if you think about it, what culture of of of, of has Britain got right now? <laughs> to mixed, <laughs> it's a matotia of chaos. What what, what what culture has America got right now? It's also a matotia of chaos. <laughs> you know what I mean? In in Japan, right? Their their kids. So my friend moved back to Japan with his wife, and the reason his wife has moved back is because. In the Japanese culture, the eldest child looks after the parents when they become elderly. Yeah. I know for a fact there's people in this country, when the elderly person becomes ill, they run the other direction. You know, I'm just yeah. when they're dead, man, I can read the will. So yes, that's it's, Europe. It's culture, mate, we've got, what it is with the Western society, and I'd say UK and I'd say US, I wouldn't even class Europe as that because I think the Europeans are slightly different to the UK. Um, we've become very selfish. We've become very... <clears throat> It wears mine. When am I going to get mine? I want mine. And don't get me wrong. COVID has, has amplified that as well. But I just think that to expect, you know, you can't blame parents for the ills of their child because the parents themselves may have been brought up that way themselves. If they've been brought up by people who haven't got empathy, how are they going to? They're going to just discover empathy themselves. They've got to. They've got to find that from somewhere else. If they don't find it at home, they then carry that into their next relationship. Oh, empathy! Just get on with it. You know, it, 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 it just follows through, man. And until you can kind of, you know, it's like, for example, now, you have, have broken the pattern for dad. If you think about it, look at dad, X amount of kids, no marriage, woman here, woman there. Blah, 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 blah. You've got your kids, you're with your woman. You've broken the pattern, man. You've broken that, you've broken <laughs> that mold. But based on dad's and the way that dad was brought up and probably the way that his dad was brought up, the pattern should have been, yeah, X amount of kids here, there, everywhere, and running around like a headless chicken. But you decided, nah, man, that ain't for me. That ain't the life I want. So you know, you've got to find that inner strength. You've got to, you've got to almost see the badness to realize what's better. Sometimes, but you can't just blame a parent for the ills of a child, especially when society's bringing up a child now more so than a parent. Yeah, it's society yeah, that's, that's bringing up the child. <laughs> Sorry, man, I just took over. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate, man. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you came all the way like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it is, it right. is like, anyway. I, I tell you what, I tell you what I tell you on the last note I'll tell you why I say that you listen to a, a, a boy play on his Xbox or Playstation and can't how many profanities come out of his mouth when you're not in that room yeah. you tell me this is, right. you tell me that that boy's not going to go to school and say them same words please yeah. come on man Society is raising the children. That's why the children are losing the way slightly. But society wants mom and dad to work 45, 60 hours a week and have 17 jobs. So, hey, what can we do? <laughs> All right. Good. Um, yeah, well, I want to move, uh, yeah, move on now because uh, we've talked, spoken up about bullying and stuff. Uh, Tanya, okay, you, you was unfortunately bestowed with the big C, which I hate. I hate more than anything. I do feel like that's um um I, I, you can see that as a disease. I don't know. I think that's a, something that's really weighing down on the on the planet. Ooh. I am aware that there is a lot of alternative methods to healing this stuff, especially in the Caribbean and Cuba and places like this in Africa. You can find alternative methods of healing. But uh I would like to know your journey on this because obviously you beat it. 
congratulations awesome um how was it for you doing going through that stuff because like i've never really spoken in depth to anybody who's actually been through that fortunately i think with my the family members that i know i was to say my friends who have had families who have passed away from covid mm. a lot of it has been more of i wasn't like, talking about covid i was talking about the other big c oh cancer yes yeah. <laughs> how were we get um you know for me <laughs> that journey has been almost 10 years journey mm-hmm. and having cancer and for me it's naturally it's from the inside out Uh, Now that I am now, again, five years free of cancer, I really Mm -hmm. realized that cancer is all about the emotion. Okay. Like when you go to the doctors and they first diagnose you, like those first 90 days, it really makes or breaks you. And especially for African-Americans, because again, the trials in the U.S., you know, are not so much for us, I should say, Mm because I know for me, um, the stigmatism behind cancer is that if you're not ported up or, you know, third or fourth stage cancer, then you don't have cancer. Anytime you get cancer, I don't care if you first days, you know, you just Mm -hmm. diagnose it's still cancer. And I think that's where some of the stigmatism lies is that people still think, oh, my God, if you're not bedridden with cancer, that it didn't happen to you. It did happen. And it's an emotion. And I think when I went through it um, with my thyroid and I wasn't talking, it made me really realize of how I had to come out of that depression and that anxiety to, to really surround yourself around people who keep you motivated. Yeah. And that's where sometimes when you're when it's hard to do because cancer takes it takes away your appearance. Yeah, sure. Myself, I was living as a bald headed woman just not not even 90 days ago. I was mm-hmm. bald headed and mm-hmm. and mine was untreated alopecia. But just so many variables that happen for us as a woman and what that looks like. And I started again using naturalistic natural holistic and yeah. i know a lot of people say oh i'm gonna pick up weed and you know and all those different things I, for me that wasn't my um route i went to yeah. ginger i went to um like sea moss you know things that were now really coming into play like yeah. the sea moss that was something that i wish i would have picked up when i was going through cancer you know mm-hmm. it's all like having a holistic approach you yeah. know having um, oils, essential oils from, you know, from the Caribbean, from Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, Turmeric is another because with COVID is almost like another cancer. And you're starting to find these natural holistic that cling you from the inside out. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing with cancer. Um, And me having family members who are right now going through cancer. I have um, two cousins, three cousins, two women that are breast cancer. And I have a a cousin who is dealing with colon. They're three and four stage. And when you're getting to those stage, you have the porridge and you have the chemo and you have to do what the doctor says, but you also have to be emotional ready. And I keep going back to that emotional because people don't really talk about the emotion of having cancer. They talk about the physical portion and how you're supposed to look and and act, but they don't really talk about the inside, you know? Mm. Like what is your faith and and what are you putting in your body to clean you? Like carrot juice was one that I used when I had thyroid. I started, I started drinking carrot juice every day. It tastes good, but it actually, there's so many holistics to it. Carrot like, juice is beautiful, man. Oh, 
Nigel, ah, uh, ah. Uh. I'm not sure about that, man. And if you, if you put, a bit, sure put a bit, if you put a bit, put a bit of nourishment in there, and a bit of Guinness. Woo! And that's not the I had to actually like start putting ginger and pineapple, um, mango. Yeah, that's better. Like we mango have was a gonna say. Called, um, Trader Joe's. <laughs> that was the first time I heard what jackfruit was and what all the you know the natural holistic um things that it gives you peppermint and eucalyptus like olive vera things that I'm starting to learn. But it took me to actually, you know, get down and out for you to start really saying, like, I don't want to get on all this medicine after it's yeah. over. You know, yeah. what can I do to clean myself? And then again, also, it's some things you can't control. Liquor, yeah. you know, smoking. And yeah. so, I'm, to be honest, I was a drinker. I mean, a social drinker, but I was a drinker. And not realizing that those empty calories, that sugar was really, you know, once you get cancer, it's there. It, it, it goes dormant. It goes away. As they say, you're um, in remission, but it yeah. never fully goes away. It just comes back in different forms. And a lot of it comes when you're stressed or when things are happening in your life as you start going through your journey. Mm. Cancer reforms in other places. Like I had cervical cancer, then it came thyroid because I was mm-hmm. smoking black and mouth. So some of the things you can control also with cancer, especially for us, I keep talking about African-Americans, that's my experience, yeah. you know, versus our counterpartners, they have more of a um, higher rate of success than us. Because by the time we find out, especially for a man with colon cancer, for lung cancer, they're already third and fourth stages. We're already dead, man. Yeah, Earl, they're like third and fourth. We don't get that early detection. So mm-hmm. I'm always telling us, before you, when you're getting 40, go get that colon test. I know men be like, oh, I ain't getting no colon, I ain't getting no colon test. If we don't feed my butt. That is the difference of having that advocacy or having that, you know, that will to go change before you even happens, just to know. And, mm. you know, for me, I was like, I'm not having no test. And then when it happened, it was like, what? I got it again. And even the palates that come, just different forms of cancer. It doesn't just mean cancer. It can come in and com- come in palates. It can come in cysts. So just learning also what cancer is, what it looks like mm-hmm. so that you can share. And my family always asks me like, why do you share everything now? Because I wish, <laughs> it, you know, I wish somebody would have shared it when I was twenties and thirties. And that's another thing of like stigmatism. Our counterpartners, our ethnicity, they share everything. We yeah. were taught not to share. You we share. were taught you keep that in the house. You keep yeah. the same on the family. And so that's, now that's that another I big share, problem. I'm able to understand what, like this alopecia. I just, if you go back in my Facebook pages and you will see me 90 days ago in June, I was a complete bald headed woman. Went yeah. for eczema and it was untreated alopecia. All these years, for five years, I've been living as a bald-headed woman because of the pain, the nerve pain that I was enduring. Come to find out, it was alopecia. What? So just think if I would have never went to the doctors. And so once I found that out, I shared. And I and there was so many women who were like in my inbox, like, oh my God, this is what I was having. And I'm like, I thought this was your real, your real hair, but you're wearing wigs and you know, and other forms of you know, hair remedies. And you were going through the same thing I was going through. So I think now, 2020. The voice is sharing, understanding that you have a obligation. That's how I feel to share because someone else don't have the strength that you have. And mm-hmm. cancer for me became a warrior. It allowed me to be a strength because there's so many of us that are going through things and they're like, there's no support. I can be that support. 
and social media has allowed me to embrace and and mm-hmm. talk to others that I never would have had a chance to talk to face to face because my mom said or you know that old time saying you better not tell my business or yeah. I'm gonna whip you in now all yeah. that is struck out you know like generational curses those are just having a conversation like we're having now about topics that are that are that really no one talked about except for in your family so they came they became folk tales and fables now we're like dispelling all these fables and we're talking about this journey that we're all on and we're sharing things that we probably never shared before because Mm -hmm. now we're understanding that when we share i learned different remedies that you've been using like how to treat alopecia and now i have hair like who would have known have hair just from when when, when you share you grow yeah that's how i tell my kiddos that's my motto this year in my classroom show me what you know so you can grow Boom. Uh, <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's my model for uh, this year for my class. It's show me what you know. So that's what I do. I show and I share. That's how I met you watching your media podcast because like I wanted to know how I fit in teaching global 21st century because they're from Somali. How do I teach yeah. this? I started searching all these different media and podcasts and there yours was that was interesting because they this is what they listen to this is what their parents talk so yeah. just be able to share and talk to them like oh miss kelly you look up at the uk you took the flight from germany my mom and it just opens up a whole different dialogue because yeah. now i have something that's common that they want to talk about so yeah. i talk about me being on their sh- on the show and they're like miss kelly you know and they're able to talk about it and share so now it just allows me to have a dialogue and a conversation with my kiddos about just with you two guys, African-American men that are from the UK and Germany. You're like, Miss Kelly, my mom is there. My my dad lives there. And we go there once a year. And so they okay. like, Miss Kelly, can you get on YouTube? So again, it's just evolved to, to, to growing and being open to not be afraid of what someone's gonna say. So, and yeah. that's what the cancer really has flourished me to be open and love and not be afraid that if I say something that is going to be hurtful or come back on me, who cares? I want them to know because I'm just like you. This is how I got through it. Mm. Let's, let's just say you're still very, you're very beautiful at least. So regardless of what happens here, bald head or not, beautiful Why lady. Why are you I get, I get yeah. it from my pops, innit? I feel it from my pops, yeah, man. Sport, be careful, you know, because my, <laughs> my, my dad... My dad used to get women pregnant just by looking at them. So, <laughs> my. Like, you know, as a woman having hair, it changes you. It's like, and my hair was, I didn't have any hair before it was a fad. You know, everybody now is cutting their hair off. My hair wasn't a fad. It was real life. And having to learn how to deal with a black woman, educated and bald-headed, wow. Yeah. Society, again, again, it's society society says that you need to look a certain you needed to look a certain way and i think the strength that you found from the cancer to look past all of that and say you know something this is about me and my survival and how i move through this journey that that for me is a turning point because that's yeah. what a lot of people need to the sooner the, the sooner people realize that it's not about what the rest of the world think about them but it's about them that's when they start to walk a different path yeah. Because for you know, as you're younger, all you're worrying about is everybody else. What are they going to say? My friend's going to say my boyfriend. In, uh, 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 you know what I mean? And then you get to a point in life, and some people get there earlier than others, where it's like manana, manana. 
And that's when your life starts because you're not holding on to no baggage of, oh, you're not feeling guilty about what somebody might think about you, even though they're not even thinking about you at that moment in time. You're just free. And I became a teacher. And I think back now I'm working from corporate all these years, like 25 years, and then coming to a whole different um, job setting and job environment, but a whole nother career. And it allowed me to be vocal. Teachers, you know, as yourself and, and media and podcasts and what we do, it allows us to be open to talk about those subjects that you probably wouldn't talk about. You know, those candid such and we say, oh, I don't want to talk about that, but that's hot topic. You want to talk, you want to get somebody involved. And that's yeah. what the does. The teacher allows you to have that conversation that you probably wouldn't have, like a water cooler talk that you wouldn't even have because you're scared of what somebody's going to think. Being in media and, and what we do, we can talk and we can ask those questions that somebody else will be like, girl, you asked that crazy question? Yep, I sure did. <laughs> we go to the places where you wouldn't even venture. <laughs> and there it is. I go to places that you would never even think about going because you can do that and the question might get a no, or it might be like, why did you ask that? And you're like, because and sometimes you get taken back if you're like, why did you ask that? Because I want to know. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to debate. I just want to have a, a conversation about, again, that's where race is now. Race is now. It's a conversation. It's not a taboo yeah. no more. It's a conversation that people are really having to be uncomfortable, even as ourselves. When we look at racism to each other and even our white people, we have to have that conversation of this you know, of those things that like, oh, am I racist? You know, conversations you would never have. And that's why I think that's what COVID cancer in these in the riots, it really allowed us to be open and be yeah. um, transparent across the board, even who how we deal with our government, transparent. So cancer, that's what that cancer allowed me to do, to become a teacher, to show and grow and live. Like I live fiercely every day. That's one of my, I live fierce every day, fiercely without so that when I pass away all I can say is that you know what cancer gave me a new lease on life and that's what people think cancer is always dry down and is is and it will if you allow it because your doctors will give you the bear you got six months to live yeah the classic yeah that classic six months to live or there's nothing else we can do oh I'm gonna show you but I can tell you I can yeah. show and that's where I live and I tell other people you gotta live a different way when you're cancer, when you have it. Once you get it, you gotta live a whole different ball, a whole different way. Yeah. And that's what it has allowed me at 50 to live a life that I never I, I always dreamed about and now is here. Never thought that cancer would bring it in. I see my cousins and I tell them, only God can tell you when you're gonna go. But why are you there? Let's ride this journey. Let's ride it. Talk. Do what you want. Travel. You know, do the unthinkable because what do you say? The impossible into the possible. And that's what cancer does, especially when you have a chance to get over it and understand what it does for your life, but also how to heal because cancer makes you, it changes your whole perspective. I could probably, I can talk about that because it's when you, somebody tell you got six months to live, you're like, what? Yeah. You're like, damn. Yeah, that's you're it. like, hey, that's it, no, and then you find that way. What, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And sometimes it's not the doctor's, it's not the doctor's um, call. It's something you got to do. Something you got to find in yourself. Mm. You know, that's what you got to live a different lifestyle. And you just share, 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 because I, I always say that's my one person. As long as I teach one person or I touch one person, then I've done my job on this earth to share what mm. I know and mm. what I've been through. So. Yo. Okay, thank you, Tanya Kelly. Oh, welcome. Yeah. 
We made it. We've done the marathon. We've done our one hour. It was nice meeting you. Listen, I love the vibe and the conversation. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you, you're coming back on. You know you're going to come back on. You already know. Listen, let's, I'm about to be a part of this show. Let's That's go. That's guaranteed, oh. man. That's guaranteed, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're more than welcome. Like I said, man, I would love to have you part of the whole the community, you know. That's what I'm trying to build here. I want to hear more about you. Next time, I'm going to be quiet and I want to hear about you. So I that's can... a good idea. You know, that's a good I'm idea. Like, you know, so next on Tuesday, next Tuesday, I want to hear more about you so I can show you. You interview us? Yeah. Like me and I'm here. Listen, what are we doing? <laughs> we love you too, man. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, you want to tell us, um, you got anything to promote before we. Yes, yes. Again, you can find me all over social media at Empower Our Youth. Uh, my personal was Tanya Kelly MED on Facebook on um, Empower Our Youth as my community organization. Again, we are a voice against bully and we are based in Columbus, Ohio, but we want to be able to stretch it international and come aboard and be a part of it. But you can find me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter under Empower Our Youth. LLC and teacher in the community for my students, ooh, even across the board. Again, distant learning did not just affect us; it affect the globe with COVID. And if you ever need resources and services, I am from kindergarten to grade 12. If I don't know it, I got educators in our group who can help you and get you the answer that you need. And that's teacher in the community. And it's on Facebook. And again, we do just like you do. We share and we involve our families because I'm the village. I'm bringing back that village that was here, that was once here, it's back now through us. Yeah. And again, um, if you are you know, dealing with bullying, doesn't matter where you're located at, you can call me at 614-928-0016. My director, Tracy Kane, and myself, and my husband, Robert Kelly, we will talk to you and give you some self tips and families as well as show you how to report bullying from the paper, the process and the plan. Those are the three P's we talk about. And once you wow. know those three, then everything else we will have that you build that relationship. So, again, there's different facets of who I am, but. I thank you for always having this opportunity to learn and grow and share. And I can't wait. So Nigel, is you and my accomplice. It's time for y'all to tell me, show me, share me. I can tell my boys, I can tell my babies here what it is to be an entrepreneur, to be strong, and what it is to be resilient in this 2020. Yeah. 2020 COVID. Nigel, you're going to bless with anything. Thanks for that, Tanya. Thank you, Tanya. Um, yeah, oh uh, boy. Well, I'm coming to the end of a very crazy period, and um, drum roll. I should have a new course launching in two weeks. It's going to be online, it's going to be my crash course, which I used to do um, live with a room full of people. It's now going to be on live uh, online, so anyone can access it. It's going to be launched at a real cheap price. Uh, which will be going up towards the end of the year. But um, as soon as it's ready, I'm going to... It'll probably be next week, to be fair. So next week or the week after, I'm going to be um, posting and advertising and letting the world know that my cast is live. It's live at last. So where can we find hours. you on social media, Nigel? Where can oh, we find right, you? Right, you can find me at uh, Nigel Campbell. Um, I've got a Facebook page called Love, Sales, Hate, Selling. Uh, I've also got a Facebook group called Love, Sales, Hate, Selling. And I've also got another Facebook page called Joined Up Media, which is for the social media management and web development side of the business. Um, yeah, so look me up. Ooh. I just want to say, your husband's name, Robert Kelly, man. I don't know, man. 
Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I, I, I caught that. I caught. I was like, Robert. You know, Kinnell, as, you, as, as you as you said it, it kind of. I, Hold on a second. In your brain, Not you don't want to click it. Not that R. Kelly. All right, all right, all right, mate. Don't say that too loud, man. The Black Uplift show. <laughs> now nah, I got me some good music though. <laughs> anyway, R. Kelly made some uh, badass tunes, man. He's yeah, he's, he's, mind, he's, mind was evil, man, but music yeah. was. You can't, you can't. There's, there's not a dance that you'll go to, and they'll put on. Oh no! I'm then, telling you, the whole room will rock. It doesn't matter about what he's done. Listen, man, the tune's heavy, man. We're forgiving me sins for this one tune. Seriously, man. And no, that's how I feel. It's personal life, personal life. But as soon as that step in the name of love, like it don't take but one step song, in the name like, of love. Step in the name of love. Anyway, thanks for listening to Black Uplifts. Leave a comment, subscribe to the channel. Uh, join the Black Uplifts uh, podcast group. We have a group too. We have a page, like the page, you know, all the stuff. And uh, yeah, man, we'll be hearing you from you guys. Hopefully, well, I'll be in front of next week. Hopefully, Tanya will be joining us next week or the week after when she's got time. No pressure, but you can willing to join whenever you're ready. Just, just, let me know. Hit me oh, up. Say yeah. you want to do the podcast tonight, or if you want to do your yeah. own podcast, let me know, man. I'm always available to jump on our own exclusive podcast. Yeah. Do, you, do you do any, do you do any blogging? Yes, I do blogging as much. Um, I do have a podcast, and it's um Sports Kills Diva, and it's sports from a woman's perspective. So you can find me on Sports Kills Diva, and I have a podcast for Sports Kills Diva and teacher in the community. So yes, I would love to have you all on my show and be able to come on, bring it to the States. So listen. Yeah, yeah definitely. They be shocked because obviously a black guy with an English accent is, is a real like, it's like, wait, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're finding it hard to get their head around, especially if I start speaking like I speak the Queen's English as well, you know, like I'm from Oxford or somewhere like that. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, we're wrapping up there, man. Good night, man. See you later. Whoops.